I did want to share um, a few jokes with you this morning, but I can't find my joke book again. I, I think it's a conspiracy. Um, uh, um, but uh, I did uh, learn lots of jokes on Friday night because I went to the Andy Kind gig over at uh, Lim Church and th- that was wonderful, an hour and a half of laughter, it was really good so if you weren't there you missed out but uh, I feel a bit nervous about repeating one of his jokes because he tells them so well but um, I did read something which is, um, well, the sort of funny, (laughs) which is better than my normal jokes. I've said it ahead of you, Brian, yes. (laughs) This minister announced from the pulpit that um, next Sunday he would be talking about the sin of lying, okay, the sin of lying. So in preparation for that, he said, I want you all to read Mark chapter 17, and then come to church the next week. So the next week, people arrived and he said, put up your hand if you read Mark chapter 17. And a number of people put up their hands. And he said, Mark's gospel ends at chapter 16. I will now preach on the sin of lying. Now I could say, who's read the essential Jesus reading for this this week? But I won't. Um, uh, But I do encourage you, there's, in actual fact, there's uh, there's two copies of this this book left um, over, which you might want to do, or you can just get the sheets, because we're still continuing to go through the essential Jesus. And I just would encourage you, what Brian was saying about joining in with the prayer meetings through Lent, but also we said, encourage you to join in with one of the fellowship groups at this Lent time who will be going through essential Jesus. They're not scary, you're very welcome. Anyway, you will know if you're following it that it's about the miracles of Jesus this week. And in that book, you can read that Thomas Jefferson, the third president of the USA, he so loved the ethical teachings of Jesus. He said they were the greatest that the world has ever known. And so he looked through the Bible and, and just compiled all of those teachings. It's called the Jefferson Bible. But if you look at the Jefferson Bible... One of the key features is that there are no miracles. He didn't believe in those. And there's some people nowadays who don't believe in that. Oh yeah, I believe in the ethical teaching, but not in the miracles. It doesn't really work. In a few weeks' time, we'll be celebrating the resurrection. That was a miracle. That, if we take that out... There is really no Christian faith. 
So we're going to explore some of the miracles that Jesus did. There was water into wine, there was um, calming of the storm, there was a withered fig tree. (coughs) Excuse me. But today we're going to study two miracles from Matthew chapter 14, and they follow one from the other. And uh, so uh, if I'd like to invite Jenny to bring us the first one. Just to give a little bit of background, because the reading begins with, when Jesus heard what had happened, so it's helpful to know what he had heard, and he had heard some sad news, that his, his cousin, John the Baptist, had been beheaded and, uh, and was, uh, was there, and he just heard that. Let's see what his reaction is and what happened next. Thank you, Jenny. It's Matthew 14, verse 13 to 21. Jesus feeds the 5,000. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed those who were ill. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give, me, give them something to eat. We, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring, the, bring them here to me, he said. And he told the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves of bread and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve baskets of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. Amen. If you could leave the words up, um, Colin. So... When Jesus heard what had happened, this terrible news that John the Baptist had been beheaded, what did he do? Well, he uh, withdrew to a solitary place and prayed. What a great reaction. The power of prayer and, uh, and just coming before the Lord. And as we go through these miracles... We learn more of Jesus, but also, hopefully, we learn more about us and how we can react and how we can live our lives. So, a good lesson. Pray. Then it says, in the next verse, The crowds followed him on foot from the towns, and they were in need. And Jesus didn't just say, look, I'm just in a bad place at the moment. He met with them, and it said he, he healed those who were ill. And perhaps another lesson that we, we sometimes need that bit of space, don't we, to, to pray and to dwell on things, but also not to 
make that last too long. That sometimes there's other needs out there. And by helping others, by getting involved in others' lives, it can not only help them, but help us. Jesus did this. Then, verse 15, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, it's already getting late, send the crowds away so they can get some food. That was sensible, wasn't it? Because they were, they were hungry, sensible to, uh, to do that. And sometimes sensible is good. Okay, we've been given common sense and sometimes that's good. But sometimes with God, God does not send us on the sensible route. The Jefferson Bible is a sensible Bible, just the teaching that Jesus has without all these strange miracles. But that's not God's way. And so in verse 16, Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You, that's the disciples, give them something to eat. Now, if I was a disciple, I'd have thought, this isn't part of the plan. He didn't warn us about this. And sometimes random things happen. There seemingly was no plan. And so in verse 17, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. In this version, it doesn't say where they came from. I think this, uh, this miracle is the only one that's in all four Gospels, by the way. So they'd only got this little amount of food and Jesus said, bring them here to me. So there wasn't enough resources. And sometimes that's true for us. We don't have enough resources. But an important lesson is to bring what we have. Have you noted in the link that the party in the park planning meeting is on Tuesday the 23rd of February? If not enough people come to that, then it won't happen. And that would be a real, real sadness. So even if you think, well, what can I give? But when we all give that little bit, then the Lord can use that, as he did in this story. And I've got another example. Some people have been egging me on to uh, preach about football. <laughs> Some people have been saying, don't preach about football. But let me just tell you, so I'll do it this once. I may, I may, may, may not be telling the truth there, but... Um, as many of you know that uh, I support Leicester City, they have, <laughs> although there's been a quarter of a million extra Twitter followers for the Leicester Twitter feed since they've done well. I've been supporting them for 50 years, and this, uh, since before I was born obviously, yes, <laughs> and this is the best that they've ever done. In, uh, and it, not only in that 50 years, but in the 130 years uh, in total that have been in existence. So it is something to uh, celebrate. Of course, I can't get to see them now because everybody wants the tickets, but that's a, 
another, I'll, I'll support them when they're back in League One. Yes. But um, I think just to say that lots of people, are, if you're interested in football, are talking about Leicester, or if you're not, because they're the underdogs. They're, they're not expected to be top of the league. And they might or might not be at the end of the season. They haven't got enough resources. See the link with this? They haven't got it. Their, their team, it was worked out, costs about a tenth of what the, the major teams cost. Maybe very few, if any, of the players individually would actually get in these top teams. But one strength that they have got is that they work together as a team. And they uh, show courage, they show commitment, and they show teamwork. They care about each other. They care about the task in hand. And I just want to encourage us as a church that sometimes we can feel a little weak in some areas. But just encourage you that as a team, we can be so strong. And I must just mention one other thing about Leicester. Jamie Vardy. If you don't know him, he was, four years ago, he was playing in the non-league. He had been rejected. He, he played for a, um, a, a team as a teenager, a professional team, but uh, I think he was 15 when he was rejected and they said, you're not good enough. And so he went off. But he didn't give up. And he continued to play in non-league. And, and then eventually, Leicester paid a, a million pounds for him, which was a ridiculous sum of money for somebody in the non-league. But now he's the top, top goal scorer in the league. He's playing for England. And so somebody had, had faith in, in him. And he had some faith in his own ability even though people said, you're rubbish, you'll never be good enough. And again, that's something that we can learn. That God's love, God so loved the world, God so loved each one of us, that he gave his only son. So on this day when we remember love, remember that God loves you. And if you think sometimes, oh, I'm a bit useless, a bit like Jamie Vardy was, that with the faith that God has in you, you can contribute. The disciples perhaps thought, what good's this? Just a, a few crumbs of food. What can this do for God? So I'm encouraging you, give to God. And then let's see what happens to that. Because... It says in verse 19, And he told the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. So he took the loaves and broke them. What does that remind you of? Communion, Communion yes. It was a real statement. Obviously, Jesus hadn't died at this point, hadn't rose again, but it was like a forerunner. And when they thought back, 
they'd think, yeah, communion. And in communion, the Lord takes us in our weakness, takes us in our sinfulness and, and restores us and equips us to go out. But not only in communion. In our everyday lives, we can come to him. And there was enough. There was more than enough. There was 12 basketfuls of broken pieces left over. Enough to fill, fill 5,000. The miracle that Jesus did. But it was started by the offering, the gift of just that seemingly nothing. It was also reminiscent, the people would have thought about the manna in the desert. If you know the Old Testament story when the Israelites escaped from Egypt, they hadn't got uh, um, enough food. They were saying, this isn't sensible. And then God provided not only the great cloud to guide them, but also the manna, the bread, each day for them to, to collect. Sometimes we can think if we're strong, then we can do it. If we're weak, then we can't. But throughout the Bible, it tells us that's not the case. In Hosea 10, verse 13, it says, you're struggling because you have depended on your own strength, on your mighty and many warriors. Let's just remember our weaknesses, but offer that to God and then see what wonderful things happen. I'll move on to the next story. And just, but I just want to tell you, who's heard of Billy Graham? Put up your hands. A good number of you. The most famous preacher, probably, in the, in the world. It's estimated that he's preached to two billion people in his lifetime have heard something of the, the Christian gospel through Billy Graham. He's an old man now and um, near, near death. But his legacy is there. But how did this great man of God come to faith? Because as a 16-year-old, he didn't want to know about this. He thought all Christian men were wimps and he didn't want to, uh, to enter into this. But he, God got his hand on him. Why? Well, I'll just briefly tell you a bit of the chain events. Who's heard of Edward Kimball? I'm not surprised because he was just a junior church teacher who really cared about the, uh, his students. And one student, he, he went out of his way, although he was disruptive. It wasn't Billy Graham. It was a man called uh, Moody, Dwight Moody or D.L. Moody who some of you may have heard, he became a Christian just through this junior church teacher. Through D.L. Moody, a man called Wilbur Chapman came to faith, and then uh, through him, uh, a man called Mordecai Ham came to faith. And it was Mordecai Ham who was uh, preaching one night when somebody dragged Billy Graham along, said, you need to hear this man. And that night, Billy Graham came to faith. Now, would he have come to faith if that Edward Kimball, that junior church teacher, hadn't just done his work like the people are doing out there? Sometimes when we give that little, God does wonderful miracles still today.
Let's move on to the second reading, shall we? The second miracle. Bruce, can you bring us up? Matthew 14, verse 22 to 33. Jesus walks on the water. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd, after he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already in a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down on the boat walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Amen. Amen. So there's just been the feeding of the 5,000, and then immediately, verse 22. Thank you. Jesus uh, made the disciples get into the boat, go on ahead of him to the other side. He dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed them, He went up to the hillside by himself to pray. Same lesson as that first reading. Jesus spent time in prayer. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus that he's able to do those things that he did. There's various scripture readings. I'll just read out one or two um, um, about Jesus himself. Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. And John 12, verse 49, For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who has sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. So Jesus needed to spend time in prayer. So do we. And so it's good that in this time of Lent there is this encouragement to, uh, to pray. And then, verse 24. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land. So the disciples were in the, the boat. Jesus was up there praying. It says that... Buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So it's a different story from uh, the, uh, the other one that's in this um, series about uh, that Jesus was in the boat and the storm came and he calmed it. This, 
Jesus was outside. It didn't concern him in a sense. But then, in verse 25, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. What a great miracle that is, to walk on water. No wonder the reaction in verse 26 of uh, the disciples, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Well, wouldn't you? You wouldn't expect it, would you? Jesus came walking on the water. They came to maybe a sensible conclusion. It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Now, I mentioned fear at the beginning of the service. Strong emotion, isn't it, fear? And sometimes we have fears. Sometimes perhaps it's concerns, maybe. Strong, not as strong as fears, but sometimes we have fears. In the Bible, many times, in fact, 366 times, one for every day of the year, including leap years, God says, do not be afraid. Whenever the angel comes, like at Christmas time we read, do not be afraid. And yet fear still sort of um, uh, sometimes inhabits people. And we need to just... Come before the Lord in prayer. And know, this is one of those times. Um, uh, in verse 27, take courage, it's I, don't be afraid. Another one is Joshua 1 verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Just sing that song, do you know it? Be bold, be strong, for the Lord your God is with you. Remember that at these times of fear. Some fears turn into phobias. You may know arachnophobia. Does anybody know what that is? Spiders. What about, and it's nothing about sexuality, this, homilophobia. Sorry? It could be long words, but it's, yeah. Sorry? He's not afraid of blood. Yes, or sermons. It's being afraid of sermons. <laughs> well, we've still got half an hour to go, Roland, so, um, yes. Take courage. It's I. Do not be afraid. That's um, uh, verse 27. And then in verse uh, 28. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. What a strange thing to say, really. Perhaps you just needed proof. And Jesus said, come. Wow. And then that, that book that some of you read, if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. Can you imagine that first step? But he went out. And while he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was fine. But then he looked around, and who wouldn't, at the storms and the, the, the waves? And then he began to sink. 
What's that teach us? Well, maybe not if we're on a boat, get out and walk on the water. But we often need to hear from the Lord, particularly at those times of doubt and fear. Take courage. I'll be quick, but um, I must just tell you that and one of the things as I researched this, it was saying the preacher should admit their fears. And as most of you know, we're going to be moving. And people said, oh, are you excited? And sometimes, most of the time, we are. But sometimes, you know, we're just a bit fearful, a bit concerned. What, what are we going into? We don't really know what we're going into. We like it here. It's good being here. It's a good church. and um, uh, Surely the sensible thing is just to stay here. But God has called us to get out of the boat, if you like, and to move. And one of my concerns, it's, perhaps fear is a bit strong, was what would other churches in the area, because we're going there to, to plant a church, what would other churches in the area think about us. We just roll up and said, we're here to plant a church. How would they react to us? On Wednesday, Sally and myself went on a training conference in Birmingham. And we happened to sit next to these two guys, but we didn't talk to them because the conference was going on lunchtime. Um, I just happened to talk to, uh, it turned out to be the same people again. And we got talking, and they said, what are you doing? I said, well, we're in Warrington at the moment, but we're going down to London to plant a church. Oh, whereabouts in London? They said, oh, Thamesmead. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of it. Well, West Thamesmead. don't know if you've heard of it. We planted a church in Thamesmead, they said. And it was in that wider area. So it's not exactly in the place where we're going, but it was in that wider area. Do you know so-and-so? Yeah, we know so-and-so. And I said, one of my concerns is, how will other churches, well, like you, react? Brother, he said, you're welcome. Do you need my permission to do what God has told you? You come round to my house. My wife will make you an African curry, and we'll enjoy that, and uh, we'll work together. Wasn't that fantastic? His attitude and the message to me and Sally, take courage, I'm with you. And as perhaps some of you are concerned about, well, what will happen here, that um, uh, there, there won't be a, a, a minister, but keep your eyes on Jesus. He will give you the courage. He will give you, uh, the, what, you uh, what you need. But then, of course, uh, we read on in, in verse 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And we do sometimes sink, don't we? Our faith fails us. Our courage leaves us. But Jesus' reaction was, verse 31, Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why do you doubt? But he saved him. So let's learn principles of a praying, follow Jesus. Keep our focus upon Him. 
have courage that he's with us. And when we do fail, he will save us. The miracle of God's love for us. But you may say, but do these miracles happen today? Well, that was a little one you may, that happened to us. You may just say, oh, that was a, a coincidence. But as you've heard me say many times, coincidences happen more with God. And we like to call it a God incidence. But I know we need to end. And I did promise myself it would be a short sermon so I could get back and watch Leicester play on the TV. <laughs> but some things are more important even than Leicester City. Did I really say that? <laughs> Ron, can you come and share? Because Ron's going to come and share. Some of you have heard the story before. Some of you wouldn't have done. It happened a few years ago. Um, uh, Andy announced about... Um, Eldership, and um, uh, at one time Ron was a serving elder, but when the vote was taken at the church meeting, Ron did not have sufficient votes. That's right. And that was, Ron's going to talk about just what happened, and I call it a miracle, because I didn't know what to do, and I could see no way out. Ron. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Andrew. Andrew asked me to do this uh, yesterday on a bike ride. <laughs> we stopped. That's where we was having a cup of tea. Um, yeah, I was a civil elder in this church for 15 years. And as many times we, we, we come forward and uh, come for reselection if we want to, or if we feel led to, to go and have a reselection again for another three years. The rules have changed. They're still there, but the rules have actually, the orders that I was selected are different now. So no other ghost will go through the particular thing I went through at night. I, and nowadays it is on a vote. The vote is taken but not counted, counted but not announced that day. So the, in my case, I was up for reselection. And I didn't get sufficient votes for whatever reason. And to give you the impression what happens then is that at that moment, you're no longer a serving elder. At the moment, after 15 years, it's gone. At that moment, it's quite a traumatic incident. Quite a painful thing. And um, I was gobsmacked. I think the church was gobsmacked. No, you was. And the rest of the elders quite amazed what actually happened there. And that week, I must say afterwards, was probably the worst week I've ever had in this church in my life. And I can't tell you how traumatic that was, how painful that was. I know the elders met, there's an emergency elders meeting a couple of days afterwards, and they're trying to assess what they could do about this. Was there anything to do about this? And there wasn't. There was no way out. The church has spoken, and whether they've done it by if there's mistakes made, regardless, the vote has been taken. There's no way out of that situation. And I was angry. And I was very upset. And I was getting a bit resentful. Now, you may say, you can feel justified in me in that way. And I came here 
ഒന്നായ ഫ്രാഡിനായ just come to the church i had to come to the church i think i was checking if it was locked or something as i came in i thought i'm going to stay here and pray and i'm going to send a text out to my fellow elders and ask them can they come and spare some time to pray with me pretty sharpish like that but this fact of praying and um one of them said he could come person was busy could make it one said he could come and I'm waiting for him to turn up and in that moment the lord healed me in that moment waiting for steve to turn up the lord resolved the situation the lord said to me I want you to say sorry. I want you, Ron Gebel, to apologize, to say you're sorry. You are sorry for feeling this anger. You are sorry for feeling this way. You're sorry for wondering why people don't want you anymore. I want you to say you're sorry about this. And then I can sort it out. So when Steve walked through the door I was in tears because I said I was sorry. And this huge darkness, this blackness, this dirty great big cloud that is big as this room that been following me around the place for a week went and has never ever ever returned. My job moment I was banging a table what are you going to do about this? So you you say you're sorry, Ron. And it'll go. And I will say the 15 years of eldership. I said to Andrew before, I think one of the defining moments of my eldership on a spiritual level was that an evening when the Lord showed himself fully to me. the lord sir and said i'm with you do not be afraid get out of boat mock over so okay lovely thanks ron <laughs> and to me that was a miracle i as minister saw no way out but god did And so let's believe in this God of miracles, not in the Jefferson Bible. And let's come before Him. We're going to come before Him in song now, and just come before Him in prayer. Come before Him in song. Come before Him. And if anybody wants me or Sally to pray with them, even though I'm missing the match, <laughs> I've got it recorded. Don't worry. I'm happy to pray with you or just pray with each other but let's now come before the Lord we begin with uh, just thanking God for the gift of his love let's 